It's nice to see you today. Would you agree that there's a lot of stress in this world? There is. We have a lot of stress. We're under pressure a lot. You maybe said things like this, or at least felt like it. I'm ready to throw in the towel. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm just a bundle of nerves. My life is falling apart. I'm at wit's end. I'm about to come unglued. I feel like resigning from the human race. These are terms that we hear people say. Maybe you've said them yourself. This world is stressful. There's a lot of things that happen. And people turn to therapy for help and sometimes don't get it. Some new fads, even diets. Maybe if I get on a diet, it's going to take away my stress. Sometimes being on a diet adds stress. Even people turn to cults. So what is it that we want to do? The Bible has a different way of dealing with stress than what you'll find in the world. John 14, 27, Jesus says this. I leave behind with you peace. I give you my own peace, and my gift is nothing like the peace of the world. So there's a difference between what he's going to give us and what the world gives us. But it's a gift. I give you my own peace, and my gift is nothing like the peace of the world. Do not be distressed or daunted. So circle that word gift. What does that mean? A gift isn't something that you work for. A gift isn't something that you earn. A gift isn't something that you had to buy. A gift isn't something that you had to learn. A gift isn't something that you had to search out for because someone gave it to you. God is saying he gives you a peace of mind that's different than this world. This world's peace is fragile. It's based on circumstances. According to some history things I found, I don't know how they know this, but they said in the last 3,500 years, there's only been 286 years of peace. That means the other 3,200 whatever years have been wars going on. So we don't have a lot of peace in this world. When I think about the whole world, there's probably not one year that went by without war going on somewhere, at least in tribes or something you know, around the world. We don't live in a peaceful world. We live in a world that has a lot of strife. The kind of peace that the Bible is talking about is an internal peace that you can have no matter what's happening in the circumstances around you, no matter what's happening in the world, which means you can be in the middle of a war and be at peace in spite of the conflict that you see all around you. It's something internal. That's the peace that God wants to give you. In this world, there might not be peace, right? Amongst people. But you can be a man. You can be a woman of peace. So let's look at that. We're going to look at five keys to having peace of mind. Number one, if you want to have peace in your heart and in your life, accept God's pardon. Accept God's pardon. In Romans 5, 1, it says, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are made to live in harmony with God. And you lose your peace when you're not in harmony with God. That's the greatest source of stress is to not feel like I'm in line with my maker. So God wants to pardon you. What's the number one thing that takes away your peace? Guilt. Guilt is, if you feel guilty about things that you've done, you, do, you can't be at peace. It's impossible for me to feel guilty and to feel peace at the same time. And there are Christians 
that even know that God's forgiven them, but for some reason they still feel that guilt and they're not at peace. So sometimes you can know in your head, God's forgiven me, but it has never gotten down to your heart where you actually feel forgiven and you're now living in peace. But that's the number one thing that's going to rob you of your peace. One of the things that causes stress is you feel guilty. The Bible says we're justified through faith. What does that word justified mean? I think a simple way to think of it is justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Because that's what God does. When he forgives you, it's just as if you never did it. He's let it go. That's the amazing grace of God. His amazing grace is that he forgives you completely. That's enough for me. We, even without all the other benefits that you get from a relationship with God, that's enough for me right there. It's just to be able to let go of any guilt, any shame, any regret that you carry. Because when you look at your guilt and your shame and your regret, that's a heavy load. When you know that you're forgiven, then your guilt's gone. The shame's gone. Even those regrets that you have, when you know that you're forgiven, it's a new start. I want to let go of my guilt, my regret, my shame. Guilt causes so much stress in our lives. It's probably the number one stress causer. Dr. Wesley Weatherhead said this, The forgiveness of God is the most powerful therapeutic idea in the world. If a person can really believe that God has forgiven him or her, he or she can be saved from neuroticism. It's saying when someone comes to that point where they can believe that they're forgiven, it changes their life. They have peace of mind, peace in their heart. Micah 7.18 says, Who is a God like you who pardons sin? And forgives. You delight to show mercy. Circle that word delight. God's happy to show you mercy. Who's like God that you forgive sins? Why would he write this? Because he looked around him. He saw people aren't forgiving one another. He was looking at the false gods that they would worship in those days. Their gods were wrathful gods. They were gods of revenge. And then the God of the Bible is this forgiving God that shows mercy. And he says, wow. Because it, go, it went against everything that his culture around him was showing. He said, God, who's like God? He actually forgives us. That means he gives us a new start. He pardons us. He releases us from the punishment that we deserve. Because there are probably things that we deserve to be punished for. And he shows us mercy. I want to talk a little bit about mercy and grace. Just to show you what God's like. Mercy is your son or daughter did something wrong, and you know what they did was wrong. They know that what they did was wrong, and you show them mercy, which means I'm not going to punish you for what you did, even though you deserve it. That's mercy. Grace is you did something wrong. I'm not going to punish you, okay, for doing that. You know, you need to stop leaving. Uh, Living like that, you need to change. Let's go out and let me get you an ice cream cone. That's grace. What's the ice cream cone? You give them the opposite of what they deserve. That's grace. Mercy is just saying, forgive. you're forgiven. You're not going to be punished. Grace is giving you the opposite of what you deserve. The kid should get an ice cream cone because he did something good. <laughs> you know, that's the idea. 
But that's God's love for you. Is not only are you forgiven, but you even get to go to heaven. Okay, I'm not going to punish you. Okay, that's good enough, God. Woo-hoo. And not only that, I still want you to be in heaven with me. And you're saying, you still want me? Even though I mess up, even though I hurt people, even though I make mistakes? God's a forgiven God. He wants to forgive you for everything you've ever done. And it changes your life. The key thing about when you think of God's forgiveness, how does he work? God wants to actually come and live inside you. And that changes you from the inside out. There are some people that they do something wrong, you forgive them. They do something wrong, you forgive them. It doesn't mean that you have a good relationship with them. Okay? God wants to do something different. He wants his spirit to live inside you. And that's what you're doing when you put your faith in him. You're saying, Jesus, come into my life. It's not a man going to come into your life, and now you weigh 155 pounds heavier than you did the day before. But it's God's spirit comes inside you. God says, I want to live in you. And that's what changes your life. That's what makes the difference. Being forgiven won't really change your life if you don't allow him in to make the difference. And that's the second thing that gives you peace. And that's number two, recognize God's presence. Recognize God's presence. He's with me. When I submitted my life to him, I'm no longer walking alone. He's in me, influencing me, changing me. Talks about the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are great attributes that God's developing in your life just simply because he's inside now. In Isaiah 26.3, it says, You, God, will keep those in perfect peace whose minds are steadfast on you. He's saying, you want perfect peace? Remember that God's with you. Remember that, that God's with you. Keep your mind steadfast on that. You have peace. Because in life, sometimes you feel like you're alone. Sometimes you feel like it's all falling on you. And you can have a lot of stress in life, at your job, in your marriage, with everything. And then you remember, God's with me. God's with me. That gives you peace. You know that you're not alone. You know he's with you. He hasn't forsaken you. He hasn't left you. He's there to help you. In Psalms 46, 1 and 10, it says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Isn't that great? An ever-present help in trouble. He's with you. Be still and know that I am God. Now, if you were to read that in context of when it was written, what was going on in history at that time that that verse was written, this was written during a time that Jerusalem was surrounded by enemy troops. There were 180,000 enemy troops outside of Jerusalem uh, ready to destroy the city. So they had reason to be stressed. That's a lot of reason to be stressed. If we had 180,000 enemy soldiers surrounding El Segundo right now, we would have reason to be stressed out. We'd have a reason to feel stressed. And God is saying, I'm your refuge and strength. I'm your ever-present help. What is he saying? I'm with you. He's saying, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Be still. He's saying, calm down. Be still. Know that I am God. God did come through for them. Through a miracle of God, he hit them with a plague and destroyed the army. The army was decimated and ran out, and uh, they ended up not being conquered by these people. But the idea is God's with you. There's a two-step process that you need to recognize. He says, be still and know. 
First thing he says is be still. If you want to recognize God in your life, you're going to have to be still. It's hard to recognize God if you're going and going and going and going. And you don't have time to, to rest. Like you get up early in the morning and you, and you get ready for work. Then you're at work, 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 work. And then you're running errands after work. And then you're cooking dinner. Then you're watching TV. And then you're exhausted and you go straight back to bed. Be still. You can't know that he's God if you're not still because you don't recognize him. You don't even have time to think about God. Your life is just on the run, on the run, on the run, on the run. Most of us, if we're, if we're honest, most of us would say this. In the last 24 hours, most of us have not taken 20 minutes out just to be quiet and just be still and, you know, talk to God and pray and maybe read something in Scripture, but just a little quiet time. Let me get away just for 20 minutes. Just have some peace and quiet and just spend some time with God. Most of us probably didn't do that in the last 24 hours. Because of our lifestyle, we go and go and go. It's hard to recognize God in my life if, I don't, if I'm not still, if I don't have any sort of time with him, that if my mind's just going and going and going on everything except for God. I hear a lot of people say, God never talks to me. It could be because of our lifestyle, being so busy that we're not ever quiet enough to hear him. I know this, when you're quiet and you ask God the right questions, you start getting the right answers. Here's my example that I like to give in this. Just be quiet for a minute and ask God, just right now, we're all going to be quiet for a minute. You're going to ask God this, God, is there anybody I need to forgive? Ask God that and just be quiet for a minute. Without a doubt, some people already know there's people that they need to forgive. Just the fact that you took a minute out of quietness and said, God, is there anybody I need to forgive? Then, of course, say, okay, God, I, w- I want to forgive him. I want to let this go. If you ask the right questions in a time of quiet, it's funny. I think that's God talking to you. You ask him, is there anybody you need to forgive? Is there anybody I need to ask forgiveness for? And then people start popping into your mind. So you don't do this. You, you, you don't deal with those issues if you're going, 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 going and never stop. But if you stop and have a quiet time, you ask the right questions, you start dealing with the issues that you probably need to deal with. It could save a relationship. It sure would help me as a husband to ask questions like that and deal with something with my wife over the next three hours, then to be so busy that I don't deal with it for four days, right? Because that's going to be four days that my wife is feeling bad about some sort of interaction that we had. And in four days, it's not going to make her feel better. Like, I'm going to give her four days to cool off. It usually doesn't do that. It's four days for her to have deeper resentment. (laughs) That's what really happens. So, if we're not still and if we're not quiet and we're just going, going, there's a lot of things that we don't take care of that we need to. We can't hear God speaking to us because we're just too busy. We're cramming everything else in our life. It says, be still, and then it says, and know 
That word know, because it's written in a different language. So sometimes we say, well, I know God, meaning I know about God. That's like me with the president. If I said, if I said, I know, oh yeah, I know President Obama, meaning what? I know who he is. I know about him. That's a lot different than saying, I know President Obama, meaning he's a buddy of mine. I call him Barry, you know, because in high school, his buddies called him Barry, you know. Yeah, I know Barry. That would be some, a high school friend, right? They actually know him, right? So there's a big difference. This one is the one saying, I know him like a friend. Okay, so it's very important. People say, well, I know God. I'm saying, and my response is, do you know God like a friend, like this verse means, like that word means? Or when you're saying, I know God, meaning, yeah, I know about God. I know that he lives up in heaven somewhere. I'm on this side of the fence. He's on that side of the fence, and we never meet each other. <laughs> you know, that's not what it means to know God. Knowing him is he's a personal friend of yours. He's a part of your life. God wants that intimate relationship with you. That's the whole point of him coming inside of you to live in you, to be close to you, his spirit, the Holy Spirit living in you. So we have stress in life. When I know I'm forgiven, that relieves a lot of stress. When I know that God's with me, even when I'm going through hard times, like that situation in Jerusalem where they, they had no power. You know that there's sometimes that you have no power to change the circumstance, so you rely on God. When you know he's present with you, that that relieves stress. People that don't know God, they can't relieve that type of stress. The third thing is obeying God's principles. In Psalms 119, 165, 166, those who love your laws have great peace of heart and mind. I want a great peace of heart and mind, and they do not stumble. Those who love your laws, that's what it says. So I have obeyed your laws. It's saying you want peace in your life? Obey God. It's saying disobey God you're not going to have peace. You're not going to have peace if you disobey God. It's like you have a car and you have an owner's manual. And it says, get a checkup every certain amount of miles, do an oil check every certain amount of miles and stuff like that. If you follow the owner's manual for your car, it keeps your car running smoother and better. You're going to get more mileage out of it. You're going to save money in the long run. You do what it says, your car is going to maintain and be healthier. It's to your own detriment to ignore the manual. If you ignore the manual, then you're going to get problems along the way, and long term, it's going to cost you more money and more headache and, and more problems. Well, it's the same way with us. The Bible's our owner's manual. It tells you how to maintain yourself. If you obey the Bible and live the life it calls you to live, you're going to have a healthy life, and long-term, it's going to pay off for you. If you disobey it, long-term, it's going to ruin your life. You might disobey it and for a little while get here and a little while get there, but in the long-term, it's going to be detrimental. It's going to hurt you. God puts these principles in the Bible not to take away our fun, but for our own benefit. God wants you to have personal happiness, success, he wants to show you how to build strong relationships, how to build your business, your finances, your health, marriage, parenting. All that's in the Bible. That's for my benefit. That's trying to help me to have a great life. And people say, 
But how about all the restrictions in the Bible? All those things that, you know, I can't do. When God is restricting you from doing something, it's, it's only for your good. When God says don't murder, it's for your good and the good of mankind. Don't commit adultery, that's for your good. And the, he's not taking away your fun when he says don't commit adultery. He's trying to save you from all kinds of mess. He's being good to you and good to others. When he's saying don't steal, these type of things. When you look at what God says, it's for your benefit. It's like a train on the track. And the engineers with the train going down the track, and this engineer says, oh, why do we have so many restrictions? All these laws saying I have to stay on the track. I want to take the train off the track. Well, I'll tell you what. If he takes the train off the track, it's to his own detriment. It's not going to be for his good. I'll have more freedom if I can go that way. It's not going to be for his good. You get off that track, and it's going to be for your destruction. And it's the same way. God has a track that he has us on for our good. And we think, well, I want to get off the track. It's to your own detriment. It's to your own destruction. The track isn't there to ruin your life. The track is there to give you a, a healthy life. This is the way you go. You were designed to live like this. A train was designed to stay on the track. You were designed to stay on a certain track of God's laws. And when you get off the track, it messes you up. When you get off the track, it doesn't make God say, oh, that makes me so angry. He's mean to me. Why won't he do what I say? No. God's heart breaks because you're hurting your life. But you're not hurting him. It probably hurts him emotionally because he loves you. But it's hurting you. That's who it hurts. You disobey God, and it causes all kinds of stress in your life. People say things like, well, the Bible has all these weird rules and regulations in the Old Testament and stuff like this. It's pretty simple to understand the Bible just by looking at four things. There's cultural laws in the Bible that were for that culture. So when you read in the Bible, there's civil laws that are for that culture. A civil law would be like a speed limit, you know. Uh, speed limits can change all the time. They're not set in stone. Cultural laws can change all the time. You know, if a woman has to, in one culture, cover her face, and in another culture, she, she doesn't have to. You know what I'm saying? Those are cultural things that they constantly change. They're ceremonial laws, like when they were sacrificing animals. That was a ceremony. We don't have to do those things. There's moral laws. Those never change. How can you tell if it's a moral law or not? Well, it's going to be... A, if it lines up with the Ten Commandments, you know it's a moral law. If there's something related to that, you know it's a moral law. So the moral laws never change. And it's pretty easy to tell if something is cultural or a civil law or a ceremonial law. Okay, it's pretty easy to tell the difference between that and morals. So you read something that says, don't shave the hair on the side of your head. You look, is that moral? Is this a moral law? No, it was something, it was a ceremony and a cultural thing that they did for the Jews. There's nothing moral about that, right? It's easy to tell if it's moral or not. The moral laws we obey, the laws that are cultural, ceremonial, or civil laws, those things change constantly throughout history. You don't have to worry about those. It doesn't take a genius to read the Bible and be able to tell the difference. That's why when some fool says, well, the Bible says you can't do this, you know, they're trying to, Make the Bible look like it's crazy, you know. 
it doesn't take a genius to know what morals are and what civil, ceremonial, and cultural things are. Anybody can see that. They just want to discredit the Bible because they want to make you feel like you're an idiot because you believe it. But when you read it, it's easy to tell. Okay, when you obey God's moral laws, you're going to have a better life. When you disobey God's moral lives, it hurts you. It hurts you. When I start stealing from people, that's going to ultimately hurt me, and it hurts other people. And it's a moral thing, we know. So don't be deceived by the things that you hear people say trying to discredit Christianity. When you just use your mind, it's pretty logical, and you can tell the difference. So I have obeyed your laws, he says. Circle that word obeyed. If I want peace in my life, I've got to obey him. He puts these things out there to help me. Number four, trust God's plan. I must trust God when I don't understand why things are happening. So without trust of God, I'm going to be stressed out. Because there's certain things happen that you don't understand why it's happening. So what do you have? Stress, stress, stress. But if you trust God, God's in control, you don't have stress. Some people don't know God, so they can't trust him, so they have stress. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. There's four verbs. It says, trust, don't lean, acknowledge, direct. The first three are things that we do. The fourth one is what he does, what God does. So first it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. What's that saying? It means depend on God. You have to depend on him, even when it doesn't make sense. Because there's a lot of times it doesn't make sense. So you're thinking, I've got a family. We've got bills to make. I've been working hard. Why did they fire me? You know what I mean? Why did they fire me? I was a good worker. I saw a lot of people loafing that they should have fired. I'm telling you, life doesn't always make sense. I can look at the circumstance of what am I going to be? I've got to feed the kids. I'm going to be stressed, stressed, stressed. But I can choose. I'm trusting God. I don't know why this is happening. It makes no sense to me. I don't know how God's going to work this for the good. I can't see it now. There's nothing good about it that I can see. But I'm going to trust God. It's the only chance you have to have peace in a world with chaos. It, sa- it saves you. It saves you. Your peace also helps your family. If you're all stressed and you come home, I don't know what I'm going to do, then it's going to make your kids and your wife or your husband stressed out. If you have the peace of God in your life, it gives them the strength. Okay. Dad's not too worried about it. He thinks God's going to come through. He's going to get out there and look for a job. Dad's not too worried about it. It gives your kids peace. It gives your spouse peace. It affects everybody in a positive way. It says, don't lean on your own understanding. Why would it say that? Because we don't understand why these things happen. I can't ever understand it. I can't lean on my own understanding with this uh, illness or crisis or loss or a death or relationship breakup. You know, it's that question, why? 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 You may never understand why. But let me tell you this. God, in situations like this, is more interested in your comfort than in explaining why. What I mean by that is this. Something bad happens, I'm stressed out by it. Why did this happen? 
If you understood why it happened, it's not going to take away your stress. You're still in that same boat. Okay, now I know what happened, and I'm stressed out, God. So why never relieves the pain? Trust relieves the pain. Trusting in God. That's the only thing. Something happens, I'm stressed out, I know why, and I'm stressed out. Something happens, I don't know why, but I'm trusting God. I'm at peace. Can you see that you don't have to know why? Knowing why doesn't have anything to do with relieving your, your stress and giving you comfort. Trusting that God's in control, that he can work it out, that's the only way you can have the peace anyway. That's why we have to get our mind from the why to the trust. God's in control. And there's a lot of things in life that you're never going to know why. You just won't ever know. There is a reason why. You just are never going to know it. Sometimes you don't know why until years later. Like you can look back and I can see, wow, I can see why God, if God didn't allow that to happen to me, I would have never gotten this job and this ended up being the best thing that I could have ever done for me and my family. Sometimes you don't know that till 20 years down the road as you see the, how life laid out. But sometimes you'll never know why. You just won't know. The third thing it says is you acknowledge. You acknowledge God. That means you're admitting that he's good. I'm acknowledging God. He's a loving God. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He does care. And then it says what God does. He says, and I will direct your path. A major thing that causes stress is indecision. Okay, God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? It says God will direct your path. If God's directing my path, that's going to give me peace. Because indecision creates stress. So he's saying, trust me. Trust me, and I'm going to guide you. And then he guides me in the direction he wants me to go. While I'm trusting him before I see that direction, I'm at peace And then he guides me in the direction I need to go, and I'm at peace. God's going to do his part. He's saying, you do your part, let me do my part. One of the most amazing guys as far as when it comes to stress and handling stress right is the Apostle Paul. He probably did it better than anybody. And in Philippians 4.12, he says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And he goes on to say, I've learned to be content whether I have plenty or nothing, whether I'm full or hungry, whether I'm healthy or sick. You know, he, go, he gets all these contrasts. And he said, I've really learned to be content in good times and bad times. So what he was saying is he, he'd reached a point of trusting God that the circumstances no longer affected his peace. Because he learned to trust God so much that when things are bad, he learned God's still in control. Things are cool. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm just going to do what I need to do. And he gets through it, just like we do. The difference I see between Paul and us maybe is this. He'd hit that hard time. We hit a hard time. He trusts God, and he's at peace through that hard time, and he gets through it. We're stressed out, stressed out, stressed out the whole time, put on our hair, and then we get through it. And we say, whew, God got me through that one. Then we go through the next hard time, and he's at peace. When he goes through his next hard time, because he's trusting God, we're stressed out. Oh, God, why is this happening? You know, how could this, how could you allow this? We're stressed out, and life is horrible, life is horrible. We get through it. Okay, that wasn't so bad after all. Isn't that how we live sometimes? It's not that we don't get through it. 
He gets through it. We get through it. It's how we get through it. We're a wreck in this situation. We have no peace. It's unhealthy for our bodies and everything. Our hair starts falling off in the shower because of stress. And the other person is going through it and trusting God and at peace. God's going to get you through it. But he would like to get you through it where you're still healthy in the process. And a lot of times we're not because we lose faith when trouble comes. Then the fifth thing is ask for God's provision. When I need something, ask God for it. That will give you peace of mind. Because there are certain things in life that are out of your control, and all you can do is ask. You get in a financial situation, and you look at your finances, and you can't think of any way that you can turn this around. So what's your option? Ask God. Ask God. God, I can't see any way I can turn this around. But I know we need to do something. So, God, I'm asking for your help. Give me wisdom. Work it out. God, I don't know how I'm going to have the time to handle this thing that has to be handled. I don't know how I'm going to handle it time-wise. But, God, I'm just asking you for help. God, I don't know how I'm going to have the energy to pull that off. But it's something I know we have to do. What am I going to do? I don't have the energy to do it. God, I'm going to ask you for help. Sometimes you can't pull it off. You just have to ask God for help. God, I don't know a solution. See, that gives you peace of mind. Because if I don't have God and I don't know a solution, what am I going to have? Stress, 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 stress. If I know God and I get in that situation, I don't know a solution. God, I'm asking you to do it. So it's like you have a choice. Prayer or panic. Right? Worship or worry, right? That's the choice. So if I know God, I can pray and just trust him. God, even though there's no solution in my mind, I'm just trusting you. Somehow you're going to provide. I don't know how. I don't know how you're going to do it. But I'm either going to worry myself to death or I'm going to trust you. And it's a choice. Here's the antidote to worry in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Okay, right there. How many times have I blown that one? Don't worry about anything. This is a verse that if I could just take out that word anything and just cross it out, I could read this verse and be happy. (laughs) Don't worry about anything, about anything. This is probably the commandment that I've broken the most in my life. Because it said, don't worry about anything. Come on. How do you do that? But he tells you how. Instead, pray about everything. So it's prayer. Like I was saying, you either panic or you pray. You either worship or you worry. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. I get that. I'm worried about things. I give it to God. I let it go. And then my peace. I can remember times that I've been at nighttime trying to sleep, but I have something on my mind. Worry is sort of like meditation. Meditation, you take something good and you're thinking about it over and over and over again. You're meditating on it and it lifts you up. Worry is you're thinking about something bad over and over and over and you can't sleep at night. Meditation can help you fall asleep. Worry will keep you up. So I've had times I was worried and then, you know, you take your uh, cares and turn them into prayers. So there's been been times that I've been worried 
And I just start praying about it and giving it to God and letting it go. And then I can go to sleep. But I can't get peace until I first let it go and give it to God. It gives you peace of mind when you believe that God is going to take care of it. But when you believe that you have to take care of it, you're going to be so stressed out. You're going to hate living during those times. Plus, we all need somebody to listen to us. We all need, what I say, an unconditional listener. The only problem is, if you try to make your husband or your wife an unconditional listener, you're probably going to destroy the marriage. They can't handle that. But God can handle it. God can be that unconditional listener in my life. That no matter what I need to talk about, I can talk to God for hours and hours and hours. And he can handle that. He can take that. Nobody else can, but he can. It gives you peace of mind when you can take everything to God. What I like about that verse is it's telling us that peace of mind is the normal Christian lifestyle. When I say normal, I don't mean that most Christians are living that way. But what I'm saying is he's saying this is what it means to live as a Christian. So for us, that's what's available to us. God designed us in a way that he wanted us to have peace of mind. He didn't want us to live under pressure and have tension and, and be stressed out with everything. Also, peace of mind does not mean problem-free living. No, there's still problems. You're just in peace in the middle of those problems. It doesn't mean the absence of conflict. There's still conflict, but you're still at peace in spite of the conflict. It doesn't mean that everything goes your way. It's just that you're at peace when things don't go your way. It doesn't mean that there's no deadlines and pressure. It just means you're at peace when there's deadlines and pressure. It doesn't change the world from happening around you. It changes you within the world. And what happens within you in the middle of living in a crazy, chaotic world that we live in. I found a definition of peace, a sense of order that comes from ordering my life according to God's will. That's really saying you're trusting God. He's in control. I'm going to do it God's way and faith, and then I have peace. I'm trusting Him. I'm doing it His way. I want you to think for yourself, what am I uptight about? Are you uptight about something with your kids, maybe a problem at work, maybe your health, maybe finances, maybe a relationship? You know, it could be anything that you're uptight with. But I want you to ask yourself, what is it that I'm uptight with? John 14, 1 says, it's uh, Jesus speaking, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. The antidote is trust. But it's in trusting who? In God. Trusting in Christ. Jesus in the Old Testament is called the Prince of Peace. You want peace? Get Jesus in your life. He's the Prince of Peace. That's where you're going to find peace. It's in a relationship with him. I don't know if you've seen on the, if you know this, you probably do from the Weather Channel and everything, but when a hurricane comes, there's this great big storm, but in the middle there's a calm. But it's in the middle of a storm. And that's what I see God saying to us, is that me and you can be in the middle of a storm, right in the middle of a storm, and be calm. We have that ability through Christ. It's not that we're not in the storm. We're right smack in the middle. But just like that hurricane, in the middle of the hurricane is the calm. We can be calm 
in the middle of a storm all around us. And it's through our relationship with God, trusting Him. God wants you to have peace, but it won't come automatically. If I want peace in my life, I need to know that I'm forgiven. That gives a lot, that lets go a lot of stress. I need to know that God's with me. Ooh, if God's with me, then I'm, I'm, I'm safe, I'm good. I need to obey his principles so I don't add stress to my life. I need to trust his plan. He's in control. And when I'm in a situation where I, there's nothing I can do, I need to trust him to provide. I'm trusting that he can provide. People can walk out of here and absolutely do nothing about what they heard. You know, somebody can walk out of here and absolutely do nothing about it. But I want you to know, God's will is that you can have peace under pressure. You don't have to walk out of here and do nothing about it. God's will is God's desire, God's love for you is that you can have peace under pressure. I thank God that he wants me to have peace under pressure. I thank God that he wants to bless us in that way. With that, let's pray. Dear Lord, first of all, I want to thank Jesus for being the Prince of Peace, that he came to give us peace. We want to ask that you forgive us for the things that we've done wrong, that you, you know, wipe it clean, that we can have peace knowing that we're forgiven. Lord, help us to remember that you're with us so when we're going through tough times, we can be at peace. Lord, we ask that you give us the ability to obey you, that we won't step outside of the track that you have us on, but we'll obey you so that we won't add stress to our life that's going to hurt us. Lord, help us to trust your plan so that we can be at peace in what you're doing in our life. And Lord, help us to rely on you to provide for us rather than worrying about everything. It's in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen.